Welcome to Cape and Ray Hall, nestled in the beautiful landscapes between England's national parks. As a Bible school, we offer short-term courses aimed at fostering your spiritual growth and living in a community. Our historic manor house has something for everyone. You can enjoy indoor and outdoor adventures, connect with students from around the world, and learn how to deepen your relationship with Jesus Christ. Search Cape and Ray England for more information. Lucas on Life. Hello, welcome to Lucas on Life here on Premier Christian Radio. I'm Jeff Lucas once again coming to you from Colorado. This week we're thinking about identity, our names. Quite frankly, I'm not crazy about my name, Jeffrey. And if you're a Jeffrey, please don't be offended. It's just a personal view. But to me, it sounds like a name you'd give to a children's puppet. Hello, children. Say hello to Jeffrey. I decided to look up the meaning behind my name, which made me laugh. Geoffrey apparently is a Germanic name, which means divinely peaceful. Anybody who knows me will know that that causes people to laugh out loud when I share the definition, because I have a continuous gift of agitation. Another definition is one who gives peace. Well, as someone who's been in ministry for the last 42 years, wanting to preach the gospel of grace, I'd certainly like to own that. My name is Jeffrey, and whatever your name is, what really matters is the names that God calls us in Scripture. Now, they really count. This week on Lucas on Life, we're thinking about identity. In the coming weeks, I'd like us to be sharing together about lessons that we've learned during this frankly awful COVID season. Are there precious things that we have discovered that we might share with other listeners? I'd love to hear from you. So let me know what lessons have you learned? Email me at jefflucasusa at msn.com. I'd love to compile some of those insights and then share them with you in the coming weeks. And I'll be giving that email address out during the rest of this program. This week, we're thinking about our names, about identity. My name is Jean Valjean. So cries the principal character in that brilliant musical play and film, Les Miserables. Set in Toulouse, France in 1820, Victor Hugo's classic story tells the story of Valjean, a thief who is reborn because of grace and kindness. A prisoner on parole, yet branded by his past, Valjean is given food and shelter by a kindly clergyman, but he rewards this hospitality by stealing some valuable silverware from the priest's home. Caught red-handed by the gendarmerie, he is stunned to hear the priest instruct the police officer to release him, insisting that the stolen candelabras were a gift and giving Valjean some more silver, which, says the priest, he had forgotten. Valjean is overwhelmed by such outrageous grace, and his life direction is dramatically altered by that moment. Finally, he dies a good and godly man, beloved and serenaded by his adopted daughter and her husband, and summoned into the presence of God by a shimmering white angel. Not only has he vacated the prison, but he's also been set free from the cell block of sameness, and all by the power of grace. But in contrast, throughout his life, he is hunted and threatened by his former captor, Jalvert. 
The bullying former prison guard and police inspector insists on calling Valjean simply by his number, 24601, even at the moment of parole. You're nobody. You're just 24601. Nameless and numbered, the despair in the chain gang is total. They pray, but they then lament that Jesus doesn't care. In their world, God, if he is there, has no interest in their plight. When we're addressed by our name, we feel included, noticed, valued. Our names matter. Dale Carnegie describes the power of using someone's name. He says, a person's name is to him or her the sweetest and most important sound in any language. Names speak of destiny. In the Bible, in Hosea's story, his daughter was named Not Pitied and his son was named Not My People, but later their names were changed to My People and She Was Pitied. The earlier names spoke of Israel's rejection of God. The later names spoke of the promise of God's forgiveness. I've been spending quite a lot of time in the book of Daniel recently and discovered that Daniel and his friends, when they arrived in Babylon, they were given new names, which at first glance honoured the gods of Babylon. The name Daniel means Elohim, God is my judge. Elohim is one of the Hebrew names for God. Belteshazzar, the name he was given, means may Bel protect his life. He was named after an occult idol. Hananiah means Yahweh is gracious. Yahweh is the personal name of the God of the Bible. When the four Hebrew youths arrived in Babylon, their names were changed. Their Hebrew names celebrated their God. The new names that they were given celebrated and praised the occult gods of the Babylonians. Some may say that this renaming might not have been a deliberate attempt to degrade or humiliate, but the Hebrew four had no choice in the matter, and the occult roots of their new names must have rankled their Jewish sensitivities. Giving new names back then was common court practice, and it was a sign of ownership. You belong to me, and now I'll call you what I want. Our identity will come under attack as well. When Jesus was beginning his ministry, effectively Satan said to him in the wilderness, who the hell do you think you are, if you are the Son of God? His identity was questioned. That will happen to us as well. Our identity matters. As we break bread, as we celebrate in worship, as we share in small groups, as we pray and reflect on the truths of Scripture, not only do we affirm that Christ is Lord, the only way, but we also celebrate the truth that we belong to him, we remember who he is, we remember who we are and whose we are. Our names, what he calls us, they really matter. We're thinking about our identity, our names, if you will, here on Lucas on Life this week. I recently changed my first name. I did it without much thought, but it wasn't a spur of the moment decision. My name change came after a considerable number of years. From now on, you can call me by my new first name, Passenger, Passenger Lucas. Changing your name can be trendy, like the example of the now-departed singer with the mega mouthful of a name that was the artist formerly known as Prince. i got to confess that that did seem rather pompous, but rather impractical too. What did his mum call him? Did he have foot-long business cards? The Christian leader, formerly known as Jeffrey, 
isn't going to work. Passenger Lucas it is. My name change happened spontaneously at Heathrow. In my pre-flight fluster, I approached check-in. Hello, I'm passenger Lucas, I said, without a moment's hesitation. The United Airlines representative unsuccessfully tried to stifle a smile. Good morning, passenger Lucas, she smirked. And what flight would you be a passenger on today? I suddenly realised that because I travel so much, I've heard so many people refer to me with that tag, and so I unthinkingly assumed the identity. When I'm paged in airports... I'm passenger Lucas. When I'm called to the ticket counter to be told that my seat assignment has been changed, they call me passenger Lucas. And so I introduce myself by the label that others have given me. Something similar can happen in life. Our perception of who we are can be systematically shaped by what others say about us. Labels are designed to stick and they can be tough to remove. The child who is pummeled by abusive parents and is tagged as stupid or worthless begins to believe that stupid or worthless is what they really are. The branding hurts. Sticks and stones may break our bones, but it's not true that words can never hurt us. Sometimes the way that people label us torments us for a very long time indeed. I've been reflecting in my own life about acerbic sentences that people placed on me which can still have an effect on the way that I see myself today. So let's be careful of labelling others or ourselves. Sadly, some churches can become labelling machines. In some tightly controlled congregations, just asking a question can earn you a label that might never wear off. She's awkward. He's difficult. She's shallow. Divisive. Or we can label ourselves after a moment of failure. We spin a lie but that doesn't define us as liars. Surely prolonged deceit would be needed to earn that dubious badge. And thoughtfulness about how we refer to people with disabilities is not just inane political correctness, but a vital mark of respect for their personhood. How would I like to be tagged according to my greatest physical challenge? I'm not just among the short-sighted with a peninsula for a hairstyle or a crooked nose that can smell round corners. My name is Jeff or at least it used to be. Wonderfully, God does quite a lot of name-calling in Scripture. He has prophetic names for us, like chosen, royal priests, the people of God, the light of the world, and the salt of the earth, beloved, elected, holy, heirs, sons and daughters. God is no heavenly writer of hallmark greeting cards and isn't given to vacuous sentimentality. These names matter. As I mentioned earlier, before Jesus stepped onto the battleground that was his ministry, his heavenly father rolled the clouds back and yelled his name, Beloved Son. Dark whispers in the wilderness quickly went for the jugular and tried to steal his identity. Three times the voice hissed, If you are the Son of God. In other words, who do you think you are? Knowing your name is vital in the war that is faith. So despite the frequent name-calling, I am not Passenger Lucas. Tonight, who do you think you are? Perhaps there are people in your life and you've slapped a name tag on them. And it's time to lift the label. This week on Lucas on Life, we've been thinking about our names, our identity in Christ. I feel like it would be a really good idea for us just to allow Scripture to soak into our souls. God telling us who we are because of his great love for us. 
We're told that we're a chosen race, a royal priesthood in 1 Peter 2 and verse 9. In all these things, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us, says Romans chapter 8 and verse 37. And now, did you know that we've all got dual citizenship because we live in the country where we live, but we also read in Philippians chapter 3, our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. We also realise that we are saints. That doesn't mean that we've been canonised or that we're floating around on heavenly clouds. The word saint in the New Testament simply means someone who has been set apart by and for God. We read Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Finally, before I sign off tonight, let's go to the end of the Bible, to Revelation 21 and verse 2, where we read, I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. You see, our identity is not just individual. Our identity in Christ is corporate together. We know who we are. We know what the future will be. Our identity is precious. Let's celebrate it this week. Well, that's all from me this week. Let me remind you, I'd love to hear your observations, your reflections about lessons that you've learned personally in your own life during this COVID crisis. Jeff Lucas, USA at msn.com is the email to send me those observations. I'll be sharing those with you in the coming days. See you next time. Lucas on Life.